Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgia. I'm glad to have you with me here today. The Road to a Billion is a call-in radio show style podcast where you can ask me questions about freelancing, copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, skilling funnels, relationships, money, and more. And you can also ask my guests those questions, including my guests who I'm going to be introducing in just a moment. Uh, the reason for the name, The Road to a Billion, is twofold. One is that... I've uh, sold about a billion dollars worth of stuff through my copywriting and the funnels I've built both for myself and for clients and because I want to make an impact in the lives of a billion people over the next 10 years, although really now it's nine years since we're in you know, year two of doing this. Uh, we'll start taking your calls in about 30 minutes from now, and the way that works is you just put your questions into the Q&A in Zoom, uh, and then my friend Ed Ray will go through, he'll review those questions and put you on live, and you can ask uh, me and my guests and Ed, what you got going on, we will help you out to the best of our abilities. Ed, do you want to go ahead and say hi and introduce yourself? Let everyone know who you are. Yeah, for sure. Hey, I'm Ed Ray. And uh, when people get their Facebook ad accounts, business manager, personal pages, or uh, any other account issues on Facebook happening, uh, we help fix that. Sweet. Always good to have you with us, Ed. And uh, my guest today is Josh Snow. Uh, Josh has been in this industry since he was 13. That's when he made his first client website. He got his first big paycheck from an advertiser who ran ads in a blog uh, that he created when he was 14. At 16, he created Foresold, an internet advertising company that became very successful very quickly, leading uh, to him landing a Fortune 500 client by the time he turned 19. He sold the agency part of his business for over eight figures at the age of 20. Uh, and then at the age of 23, he created the first rendition of Snow, um, or with Snow's mouthpiece, which is a teeth whitening um, product, which has been, you've probably seen it on Facebook. It's uh, leveraged, he's leveraged like uh, different kind of influencers from Gronkowski and Floyd Mayweather, a lot of cool people and uh, bootstrapped uh, his way to generate over $250 million in revenue um, and done a bunch of amazing stuff since then. So Josh, thanks for uh, joining us today. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. So the first time I, I saw you talk, it was at Ed O'Keefe's, one of his things he did in Scottsdale a couple of years back in February. And I'd heard of you before, and then you got up and you presented. And um, I was just immediately like, holy shit, this guy is way smarter than me. You know, there's a certain people where you hear them and you're like, man, this person is just really smart uh, and really on point. And, and you're one of those folks. And I, what was cool is, I mean, I, I knew about Snow, but then you were doing stuff with lead gen, you were doing stuff in like the, you know, kind of financial space. You were doing a bunch of different things. Um, so I guess uh, let's start from the beginning, though. What kind of got you into this whole world? I mean, at the age of 13, when you first created a website, um, kind of walk us through your origin story. Yeah, so I, I mean, for, for me, it was uh, I didn't know what I was doing when I was learning how to make websites. I was hanging out at the public library and um, uh, there was a reading contest there. And uh, I found kind of a 
loophole, I guess, um, where if you read the for dummies books, they were considered reference books. So you would get uh, you would get 10 points instead of like one or two points that, you know, everyone else my age was reading, like, you know, children's books and color, you know, um, picture books. And so I found a way um, to kind of, you know, get more points by reading these for dummies books. And most of them had pictures in them. So I was like, this is awesome. But um, you had to take a test at the end to kind of make sure that you read the book and all that. So you had to kind of, even if you were skimming, you had to take some notes. So, um, you know, I was bored and I was reading books, but there were some, there were some that really stood out to me. It was like web design for dummies, how to make a website, like all of the websites, internet, that thing, that all those books were really interesting to me. And so I was like, wait a second, this seems like something uh, I could do. Um, I could make a website. Like, that's crazy. And so um, I started using the uh, public library's computer to build um, what were essentially like blogs, their websites. This was before Shopify, before even WordPress was really a big thing. Um, and so uh, uh, yeah, I learned how to program, um, uh, learned how to web develop. Uh, and then uh, while I was doing it one day at school, um, uh, after school, my librarian walks by and says, what are you doing? Um, she probably thought I was like hacking into the school or like trying to change my grades or something. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm making a website. And she was like, what do you mean making a website? And I was like, yeah, I'm just making a website. I had an idea last night of making a website um, before I go home. And she's like, what? Um, and she's like, can you make websites for other people? And I was like, I, I guess. Um, and she's like, well, I have a friend who has like a small business, um, that would, could use a website. Could you make one for her? And so that was the start from, that was like a pivotal moment where I realized, Hey, I guess I'm pretty good at this. Um, I like it. It's kind of like a video game and I have the chance to make a little bit of money making websites for other people. And so that's where it really started the whole kind of agency working with different types of businesses, then eventually businesses all around the world. Um, and I started to build my presence on online marketing forums. Um, and you didn't have to put your ages on there. So I've been at 14 and I'm up all night on Warrior Forum and Wicked Fire and um, um, all these, these forums where internet marketers were hanging out. And um, I started to you know, build my websites. And then I found a, a, I found a community called SitePoint. And SitePoint had a marketplace, which is now known as Flippa. And uh, I realized that I could sell the websites that I was building. And so that kind of then split my focus on the clients and the clients enjoyed the web, websites we're making for them. And by now, you know, a few years into it, I had figured out freelancer.com, odesk.com, which is now Upwork. And while I was in high school, um, you know, we were building websites for all kinds of businesses all over the world, online businesses. Um, and then I was selling my websites on SitePoint. So I'd make like $4,000, I'd make like sometimes $10,000. And um, I'd spin them up in a weekend, grow them for a little bit, and then I I could hand them off to somebody. I was like, this is amazing. It's like real estate. Um, so I started to understand that process. And then I got really good at selling my own websites uh, that I guess I got the attention of other uh, members on the marketplace. And they said, hey, are you a broker? Like, could you sell my website? And that kind of, you know, one thing to the next, I started to see from brokering other people's websites um, on SitePoint. Um, I remember there was a guy that had like a million dollar business and, um, you know, he had a completely outsourced team and I said, wow, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity here. There's so many types of businesses. And so I was like a kid in the candy shop because I could make the websites. Um, I was learning searches and optimization at the time because I couldn't afford ads. So I was like, I got to be the best at SEO because I don't have the money to go and spend on ads. 
Um, and that was a huge benefit because it turned out that, you know, when it works, it works really, really well. And it's very, very profitable and you can pretty much sell anything. And that kind of continued to grow and grow as I went to a uh, university, um, the business started to grow really fast. And so I had to get in and out of the university pretty quickly. I graduated in two years. Um, it was a lot, it was 22 credits a semester, running my businesses, meeting with clients, hopping on calls between classes. Like it was a lot. Um, but you don't know what you don't know. And at the time I was just so hungry. I wanted to build this business, but then toward the, toward the end of that, I started to, I think we all did as a team, we started to fall in love with the projects that we had created internally. And we started to kind of turn our focus in that direction. And that's when I realized that we should probably, um, you know, sell off what we have and kind of really focus on, uh, you know, building our own products and kind of doing it soup, nuts and bolts. Um, and the whole team was, you know, in on it. And so we went in that direction. Yeah, some, that's amazing. Um, I love the kind of the, the accidental nature of it to where it just went from, you know, reading books for like kind of, you know, points or whatever to um, building a website to getting clients. Uh, one thing I'm curious about is, I mean, because I know a lot of entrepreneurs, even successful ones and, and business owners, like never sell a business like they, you know, and I mean, and that's true at any scale, whether it's a million dollar business or you look at someone like Harry's, like the razor company that was trying to sell for like 1.3, 1.4 billion and it just fell apart. Um, you know, it's hard. And yet you've sold multiple businesses. What are some of like the keys do you think to, to kind of, cause I feel like healthy businesses that don't, they just don't know how to sell them or it doesn't happen. What's kind of the key to selling a business and, um, or a couple of the main keys from your perspective? I mean, never, you never want to build a business to sell it. You want to build the business to keep it. And you want to build a business that is respectable. The numbers are respectable. The size is respectable. The team is phenomenal. You want to, you want to, because um, there's no guarantee that you're ever going to sell anything. It's just you got to build something that you're going to be okay uh, living with for potentially most of your life. Um, and if you're lucky, if your business lasts that long, you will be very successful and very highly regarded and uh, have a huge impact. And so that's where that happens. But I think that uh, too many entrepreneurs that I talk to are tied up in a certain number. They're like, you know, I want to sell for a hundred million. I want to sell for a billion. And like, you know, they follow Elon and they follow Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos. I'm like, I want that. And it's like, I want my own spaceship. And so, um, you know, I, I think that there's a tie in to that certain number of like, I've got to sell a hundred million. I've got to sell it 1 billion, 200 million, 50 million, 10 million. Everyone's got that number. Um, and so in reality, you want to make sure that if you're, you're in this for the long haul, especially if you're building brands, you might have your first thing doesn't have to be your biggest thing. I've, I've done probably a hundred things and only a few have worked. Um, I don't talk about the things that don't work because I've learned from them. You move forward, it's on. And unless there's a learning lesson, then I'll share it. But it's, you know, um, people get tied to the idea. Uh, people get tied to a business. Uh, there's a sunk cost fallacy. I've already told all my friends that I'm doing this. I've already posted on Facebook I'm doing this. I already have some customers. I already hired my first few team members. And people feel stuck. And, um, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurial productivity that's lost in burnout. It's lost in exhaustion. It's lost in the lack of, um, of execution because people feel, you know, stagnated, they're, they're, they're stuck. And so I meet time and time again, businesses who have that seven year stretch with their business and they start to fall out of love with their business and they start to look elsewhere. And so when you have a business and you have a, something that you you're committed to, um, just like you would in a marriage, you have to nurture that. You have to 
understand that there are going to be tough times and there are going to be great times. And yes, it's a labor of love. But in terms of in terms of selling the business, there's there's a hundred ways to sell a business, right? You can go public. Um, you can do uh, you can sell a portion of your business. You can raise VC funding. You can raise friends and family funding. There's just a lot of ways you can access the debt markets, getting a line of credit, getting a credit card. I mean, there's just a lot of ways to be able to gain liquidity in your business. I think that people are, it's all about timing. Uh, People miss the timing too often. You know, Mark Cuban, you know, is, is famous for being the luckiest man in the world. And he says it because timing is absolutely the most important piece. And when you think about timing, if there's an opportunity for you, like for us, we want Snow to be a household name. We want you know people to respect our brand and enjoy our brand and our family of customers to take part in that and you know to really be proud of what we're building here 25 years from now. So if that's the case, if that's something that you want to do, then you might look at what does that mean? What, what does that mean for us? Does that mean that staying bootstrapped is going to allow us to be a household name in 25 years? Or does raising lots of cap- venture capital allow us to get there more quickly? Or does going public allow us to get there more quickly? Ultimately, we're focused on the customer um, and the customer experience, our products and our brand and our team. If it allows us to, any type of uh, funding allows us to reach that goal a little more quickly, um, you know, t- tomorrow's never guaranteed. So it's like, you have to be willing to give up control. You have to be willing to give up um, uh, ownership. So you have to be willing to give up ownership. You have to give up control, depending on the size of funding that you're raising, right? Someone that's not going to come in and put $10 million in the business and not expect a big chunk of it. So you have to, you have to, from the start, be building something for other people. You don't have to build it to be sold. You don't ever have to sell a business, by the way, the best businesses you never sell. Um, but you have to build something that, um, you know, is exciting. It's something that has the ability for you to, to, to not be involved in it and for it to continue to grow. And so you have to lay that foundation in the beginning. It's, it's a lot, right? It's a lot of a lot of things, but you get to a certain point where potentially your opportunity cost changes. Potentially there are lifetime things. And I think there's kind of a, um, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial scam is that you become an entrepreneur to gain some freedom and you end up working 18 hours a day. You have no work-life balance and your family's rude. You don't have friends. And you're just, you know, lonely in a room, clicking away, hoping to get to that number that you somehow came up with in your head. And that's when I'll be happy. You've got to find ways to enjoy the process. You've got to find ways to look back and stay grounded. Um, you know, we do a lot of community work so that, you know, hey, I, I didn't come for money, keeping me grounded, understanding that, um, you know, and also having a discipline. I haven't taken a single distribution out of snow. Um, I've only put money into snow. We, we're bootstrapped and customer funded. Um, and you know, up until recently, I've taken almost nothing of salary. I mean, literally $0, right. Um, but I've poured in significant capital. So you have to be willing to bet on yourself, bet on your team, which is why your team is super important. Um, and you have to, you have to think through that authentically. Maybe you don't want that and that's okay to build a business and, and use that to build a foundation for your bigger business. But you have to be, understand that even Elon had a hop, skip and a jump. It wasn't just first thing I started, billionaire, bye, I can do whatever I want. It's like, no, look at his story. Look at everyone's actual story. Look at Warren Buffett's story. You'll see all of them. If you really want money, you got to realize that these guys do hop, skips, and jumps. They don't come out with one product and then put their whole life in it. It has to work now because I have mortgaged my house and I'm so passionate about it. Nothing has to work. You're, you're owed nothing. 
So just by putting all your eggs in one basket doesn't mean that it has to work. Um, and so those are things that I think looking back, and I still think about that a lot is what, what we're building. Could someone else take it or partner with us so that we can reach our goal faster? And the biggest shift for me entrepreneurially was learning that nothing is about me. It's all about other people. Nobody really cares about you, but not a bad way, but you know, especially your customers, right? They care about the products. Do they work? Is the brand doing well? You know, do they respect me? Do they answer my call? You have to be worrying about those other people. And part of that is other investors. And I think too many businesses stay too small because they're, they're stuck. And sometimes you need uh, a dose of capital to wake you up. Uh, and, and that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. There's a, a lot of, a lot of gold there. Um, a couple of things that, that kind of struck me or that I think are worth pointing out all of it's worth pointing out, but, um, that's what I don't want to repeat you entirely, but, um, I think like the, yeah, the part about your identity, right. Cause it's not just that number, but like, it's sort of wrapping up your identity into this, like this has to work because I've told my friends that I'm doing it. So I'm going to look like a, a you know, a fool. I'm going to look dumb if it doesn't work. People I think stay in, there's a tough, like a tough tension because like, you know, you don't want to give up too soon. I mean, how many times have you seen those stories or maybe you've experienced it personally? I know I have where I kind of thought about giving up and I didn't, and then the breakthrough is around the corner. Right. So like, there is that, but then at the same time, there's, there's sometimes something just isn't working. And it's like, you can keep trying to push a rock up the hill for the next year or two years, three years, or you can just, you know, lick your wounds, learn from it and be like, I can move on to, to greener pastures. I guess one, one interesting question, you know, how do you think people should um, kind of balance that tension between not giving up too soon, but also, you know, not just feeling like, like they have to burn all the boats on this one idea when the idea maybe isn't the right you know, idea for them or the right business for them. My challenge, my challenge to everybody listening is um, cut off a few things in your life over the next 30 days. Yeah. Kill a business that's just taking too much of your time and it hasn't made you money yet. But, you know, my belief is that there are a billion ideas out there. There are a billion ideas. Money flows where money flows and you got to follow the money. And, you know, I was not a uh, dentist. I'm not a dentist. But, you know, going to jaw surgery, I spent a lot of time in those offices and talking to my oral surgeon, to my orthodontist, understanding where I wanted to go. But I think that you have to be willing to give up the good to go for great, right? That's a common quote, give up the good, go for the great. Um, people have a hard time with that because of identity sunk costs. I told all my friends about it. I'm wearing the hat of it now. I'm wearing the shirt of it. What am I going to do with all the merch I just bought from Custom Inc.? It's like, you know there's this kind of thing that everyone's, everyone is watching me and like everyone, everyone, you know, if I change, they're going to look at me and say, maybe something's not going, doing well. Or if I get a lesser car, they're going to think my business isn't doing well. Or if I downgrade my house, they're going to think I'm not okay. There's all this like concern about other people. Nobody really cares. Um, and so you, what you need to care about is your output. You only have so many days left on this planet. Um, no matter how old you are, you get, you know, your time is limited. Everyone's is. You've got to go follow the money. If it doesn't, if it's not making you money right now and it hasn't made you money, just get rid of it. You might be one step away from figuring out. Now, if you are really sunk in, you're a doctor and it's your doctor practice and that's going to be hard for you to switch from. I'm not saying jump out of that, but if you're selling a, um, a widget here and you're trying to widget over here and you know this one's not making money, but for some reason you like it, um, uh, money doesn't care that you like it. Uh, money likes to be respected. And your soldiers should go out and bring you back more money. But I think there's also product market founder fit, which I think is something that's talked about, um, has been talked about. Naval talks about it. There's, you've got 
product market fit, but is it product market founder fit? And I think that a lot of times people get into businesses because they want to make money and they want to whatever. They want to get a new car. They want to get a new house. They want to quit their job. And they do something that doesn't really have a founder fit to it. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to have that fit from day one where it's just going to make sense. I'm a, I'm a podiatrist. I'm starting a footwear brand online because I know internet marketing and I'm a doctor. Like, yeah, if you got that lineup, okay, it's kind of set for you. But for most marketers, it's like, I can sell anything in the world. What am I going to sell? And like, what's next? Shiny object syndrome. Distraction kills productivity. Distraction kills dreams. Um, it kills marriages. Uh, it kills friendships. And it even, it even disillusions yourself from yourself. Like you, you start to kind of create this secondary ego inside of there. And it could be, it could be a deep, dark imposter syndrome drenched ego. It could be something that, uh, and you got to kind of peel that apart. You got to kind of take a step back and say, what am I doing this for? And it's like, okay, uh, this isn't making money. This is not working. I've got to move to something else. And that is totally okay because you've got to, You've got to pick a few gold mines before you find the gold. You can't just go in and be like, oh, it didn't happen. I'm done. I, I knew this thing was a scam. I'm out. You got to keep looking. And what happens is over time, you build the, the empirical evidence through experience and through other people's experience. That's why these type of communities are important. You're learning from others' failures, other things that work. But after a while, you might realize that um, maybe it's not for you. And that's okay doesn't mean that you're a bad entrepreneur. doesn't mean that you're a bad leader. I've seen people pivot and their business booms. And it's like, you have to be willing to do that. And there's a book called The Dip by Seth Godin. talks about, is it a dead end or is it a dip? My thinking is, if, if it's not making money in six months, you want, you want a business where you go, is this legal? You want a business where you're like, wait, is this really happening? You want a business like that. Now it's not going to pop out at you. It's not going to happen right away. And you don't have to do 20 things to see what works. But, you know, my buddies at Tuft & Needle, the first bed in the box um, a business uh, before Casper, they, they had, I think, four projects running. And they had um, Google ads running. Um, and they didn't have the product. It was just an order now just to see what the cost per acquisition was on Google. And it ended up being mattresses. Like, these guys are some of the smartest people I know in the world. They're you know, uh, uh, programmers, Silicon Valley, top cream of the crop. And you're like, mattresses, not software, not anything else, mattress, bed in a box. That's what you're going to sell. And it's because that's where the money flowed. They, they ran some Google ads. They didn't even have the product. And they said, we just 10x our money on accident. They go, uh, I'll follow that. And they cancel it and cancel the else. They, they left, they left one of the projects we were working on. And I was like, I totally understand. Um, because the things that they're working on just weren't moving fast enough. They had huge potential that, you know, if they did work, huge potential, but it ended up being shoving a mattress in a box and sending it around. And they built the most reviewed, highest reviewed mattress on Amazon. And they merged with Serta Simmons for a whopping number uh, last year. And so huge success and they bootstrapped the whole thing. So there's a lot of ways to go about it. You never know what it's going to be. And you can fall in love with, um, you can fall back in love with your business. You can fall in love with your business and stay in love with your business. The problem is everybody's in love in the beginning. It's the honeymoon stage of a business. Everyone's excited to get the website up. Everyone's excited to, to do this. Everyone's doing handshake deals instead of contracts with partners. Um, they do all this stuff because we're so, we're all jazzed up. It's like we're all high on this euphoric kind of psychedelic. And we're like, 
this is going to be big. Oh yeah. If you get 1% of the market, bro, I know even half percent of the market. Oh my God. Oh, I just Excel sheeted it. Oh my God. We can get three Lambos probably by next month. And it's like, that's what happens. And that's okay. Right? Like that's, that's fine. I like nice cars and that's part of it. It is what it is, but you got to kind of take a step back and be like, wait a second. You shouldn't be getting married when you meet someone that morning and get married that afternoon. But people jump into business partnerships like that. They jump into businesses. They jump into JVs. There's a lot of this kind of push and you go, why are you doing that? Well, it's because your Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you can at least get your, your food shelter security covered, then that might allow you to think beyond that kind of, that, that kind of sphere um, of kind of survivalist and kind of, I need to make this amount of money, et cetera. You got to detach yourself from that and you have to detach yourself from, you know, how much money did my business make today? That's what I'm worth as a person. You have to, you have to delete the Shopify app, delete the apps on your phone, stop looking at those numbers because they mean nothing. Um, and they mean nothing long-term if you're building something long-term. You want to look at it week by week? Okay, here's my once a week, I get to check Shopify stats. You know, that sounds crazy and I'm being an extremist here. I don't even do that. But I'm saying like, you've got to detach yourself from the numbers. You got to really be thinking about that customer. What am I actually solving for that customer? And what else do they would they like to buy from us? We've got to take it back to basics, back to a merchant. You go to a shoe cobbler and the shoe cobbler asks you, hi, let me see your shoes, let me see your feet, what's the problem? That kind of connection has been eroded because of we're looking at a ROAS, we're looking at an order number, we're looking at these things. This is a person who came into your shop and somehow gave you their credit card. And that piece, I think, is what is missing in e-commerce and the ones that get it do incredibly well. Yeah, dude, that's that's awesome. And I do love that. Again, the idea of detaching yourself from from your numbers and, and, and looking at your customers as actual people and, and human beings. Um, so well, still, I mean, I guess, you know, why teeth whitening, right? Well, obviously part of it was because the money was, was there, right? I'm, I'm assuming, you know, part of your, your philosophy you just shared it, you were, you're testing it, running it and you're like, oh shit, this is working. Um, but like, what, you know, did you kind of just identify it as like a really like a blue ocean type niche, right? For disruption because people weren't doing it online and you knew you had this, the skills and kind of the knowledge, like, you know, why did you initially kind of decide to, to move really deep, deeply into to the teeth whitening space? I mean, there's, 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 uh, you know, we didn't bet teeth whitening, right? Um, what I saw was I was going through, it was $50,000 for me to get my jaw ripped out of my head and put back in. I had horrible jaw alignment. Um, you know, I could headaches and stuff after talking for a while. And so I knew that I was eventually going to have to get that type of surgery. And I spent a lot of time in uh, the orthodontist office, in the oral surgeon office, I see what I'm paying for this stuff. And also I, I see myself going on Amazon, buying all this, you know, all these products so that I can heal faster and you know, I can get back to work more quickly. And um, I bought all these products and I said, to me, there was no life in the products. They were very, very sterile looking. They were very medical looking. There was no transparency. And then I look at skincare, I look at hair care, I look at all these other these other areas and you're like, wow, there's like literally caviar in this eye cream and there's literally like gold flakes in this shampoo and there's all this. And then I've got two brands to choose from on toothpaste that I do twice a day for the rest of my life. Since I'm a baby till the day I die, I'm going to be brushing my teeth. And I, I feel like I don't have options, you know, and, and 
I remember staying at um, it was some nice hotel, um, and they they like upgraded me for free in the room, and it was like this beautiful room, and uh, I legitimately forgot toothpaste, so I called up for toothpaste, and all of the products in the restroom were like Bulgari, like really expensive, like you know body wash and shampoo, and I go, I go, I, I need some toothpaste, and they bring up, and what they brought up was like it was almost like a laugh. It was like in a plastic, thin plastic, like it was like a, a spork. It was like, you have to open a spork or a fork. And I was like, this is, you know, this is a very nice room that I got upgraded to beautiful. Everything's great. And I go, where's the Bulgari of toothpaste so that it matches so that I can take a picture of this stuff. Cause it's beautiful. Um, you know, where's the mouthwash that's, you know, Bulgari, like, you know, so that's where I started to think about, you know, a lot of people have teeth. Um, it's, it's a it's it's a, it's a huge market globally, um, you know. And we said, well, what if we could create what we think, what we would like to see in oral care products, starting with teeth whitening, because that's where, particularly in America, that cosmetic benefit is where the consumer is kind of going first. Um, and you got to kind of you sell them sell them what they want, give them what they need. So we're going to sell you something that's going to whiten them up. That's what we're known for. Um, safe on sensitive teeth, not a problem. But also while we're in there, we're going to load you up with hydroxybutite, which is 94%, I think it is, of your, of your tooth is hydroxybutite. It's a fluoride alternative, um, just as effective. So we're educating. So while we're in there, widening your teeth, we're going to get to what you want. But while we're in there, let's go ahead and remineralize the enamel, uh, the gums. Let's do some gum work. Let's kind of get all that done in one fell swoop so that they're getting what they really want, which is whiter teeth. They want to connect with the snow experience. And we have, we have a whole team dedicated to counterfeits and anyone who copies our copy, things like that. Because part of even being on these podcasts, people will listen and say, Oh, I've got to start a teeth whitening company, not realizing that we, you know, we're in the, we're in the mouse here business, right? So we can spend to infinity to, to make sure that that customer is, is joining us. And now we've got an army of them. But we've seen time and time again, because we've, we've unfortunately dealt with some of that and continue to deal with some of that. There are a thousand industries. Oral care, I would say, is probably, looking back on it, there were probably 20 other or 30 other ideas that were a lot easier in terms of market penetration. People don't really buy oral care online. You have to educate them. Um, you know, The Snow brand is ultimately what we lean on now. Now we have the brand where it's like, they're kind of like the apple of oral care. What are they going to come out with next? And they know that we're, you know, it's going to be a few bucks more, but it's going to be the best thing. They're going to show it off and they're going to take pictures of it. So we've kind of built that anticipation now, but that wasn't free. It took some time and it took tens of millions of dollars of advertising. For sure. But it's amazing. I mean, to, to take, um, like to create like a prestige brand and oral care, right? I mean, it's, it's like, now that you're successful, you can look at it and be like, oh, well, that makes sense because, you know, people spend a ton on skincare and whatever else, like, but Honestly, like it's a really brilliant idea and, and the realization you had because like to your point, I know exactly what you're talking about. The little, it's like the little crest or Colgate, like tube or it's like a packet. You're kind of rolling this little packet and the toothbrush is this dinky thing. And you're like, you know, great. Like, um, so man, that's amazing. Uh, so one more question on snow and then we'll talk about what you're doing now and then we'll move to questions. That'll be the, what we'll do. But just um, obviously one of the, the really cool things you guys did that was so smart and continue to do is working with um you know, a lot of kind of like celebrities and, and famous people early on. And um, I just think the reason, 
you know, Craig Clemens of Golden Hippo, like he was really smart with getting Dr. Gundry early, right? And Dr. Gundry was this really celebrated surgeon, wasn't like famous as a celebrity. Uh, and I honestly, when that first happened, I had this like bitterness of, well, I could have done that. It's like, yeah, but I didn't, right? Like I'm, I'm and that's Craig's, what makes Craig smarter than me is that he actually did it. He was like, wow, I can get these like, you know, like credible people and bring them on and, you know, increase kind of our, um, our reach and turn saying DRE into like a full on brand. Um, with you guys, you know, you had like Mayweather, Gronkowski, a ton of different folks. And um, I mean, I'm just curious, did you know that that was going to be successful? Did you sort of just decide to go for it and test it out? Like, and then any advice you have for people when it comes to working with, you know, famous uh, celebrities, personalities, influencers, and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of sizzle there. Um, there's a lot of sizzle and not a lot of steak most of the time. Right. Um, and you got it. You got to go into it, understanding that you know. For us, it's we're on a mission here, and um, you know, brand equity takes a long time to build. It it, it, it usually costs a lot of money, and uh, costs a lot of maintaining. That's why Coca Cola still spends so much money on advertising. Like we all know what Coca Cola is. We're all going to reach for it. Why are they still spending so much on advertising? Because they know they've got to remain relevant. And I think that is it, companies in this age and moving forward. If you're going to be successful and you're going to build a, a brand that actually matters, that actually has impact, you have to stay relevant. And that's probably the hardest thing to do at every stage of the business. When you're too small, you're ignored or laughed at. So you're trying to be relevant by saying we're better than blank. You're trying to grab some of that relevance. When you're, you know, huge, you're trying to say we're not old. We're, you know, blockbuster. We're not old. We're still cool. And so we're all chasing that relevancy. Whoever can hold relevancy the longest makes the most money and their shareholders make the most money, Coca-Cola, American Express, you know, a lot of things like that that hold that brand equity. And so um, when you think about that, you think about a celebrity who spent 30 years building their brand equity up and they've got a flawless reputation and you know tens of millions of fans. It's, it's generational now at this point. You've got mom, daughter, and granddaughter listening to the same song and singing along. Um, uh, yeah, like Madonna, you know, someone that has that, you know, that's like, those are like the, the top tier of the top tier, you know, Mariah Carey and like that. And then you've got your influencers and then you've got people with 25 million followers who are Vine stars who never necessarily had a TV show or, you know, all of that. So you have a range. What we're looking at is we're saying, okay, we're a company that creates products to help you smile. We're, we're in the business of confidence. Um, what are, who are some celebrities or influencers that, you know, do that already. And they're known for doing that. That could be comedians, you know, that could be singers, you know, one, one that we would love to, to work with would be like Taylor Swift, for example. Um, when you're working with celebrities, you have to understand that in exchange for they're sharing their brand equity with you, right? It's like, you know, we have an exclusive license for um, teeth whitening with um, Elvis Presley. You know, you can't go back and like, you just, you can't create that type of brand equity. That's like built-in loyalty. That's like fan fanatic, you know, natures. Yeah, that's tough to create as a business. It takes so long. Look at Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Apple. They spend so much time, money, effort building that brand. So if we're able to collab with Apple, Apple and Snow on a toothbrush, that's amazing because Apple's able to show that they're relevant. They're they're cognizant of what's going on. Um, you know, we obviously we might not be big enough for them to even consider us, but they're thinking about that. And then um, look at their Beats by Dre acquisition, for example, the relevant the relevancy of the culture. So if we had a, a collab with Apple, 
all of a sudden people are saying, I know, like, and trust Apple. I know about Snow, but I don't like and trust them yet. But I'm going to take the warm third-party referral from Apple, someone who's changed my life, and I'm going to go in and take the bet on this. It reduces friction. It reduces that, that kind of thought that, is this going to work for me? What if it doesn't? Um, uh, is this real? You have someone's favorite celebrity or favorite TV star in front of them saying, hey, you guys got to check this out. I use it. Here are my before and afters. Give it a shot. It's 30 days money back guarantee. What do you have to lose? Use the coupon code Madonna um, to get my special discount. That kind of like, and then you take that that huge version of it and you take that down to the everyday influencer, people with 10,000 followers, 15,000 followers. It works the same. It's a little bit more day-to-day work, manual work. Madonna might take nine months to close. You know, you might have to pay her a million dollars up front. She might want 20% of options in your company. But the micro-influencers, they take a lot more. It's day on day, day in, day out work. But you got to think about it. You got They've only got 10,000 followers, but those are people they went to high school with. Those are people they went to college with. Those are family members. They might be a hairstylist. So they're kind of a local kind of uh, influencer uh, for being a hairstylist. You think about that, that's someone you're paying, you know, maybe nothing to just free product. And they're talking about it. You get five sales, 10 sales, but you multiply that by the 999 million people on Instagram that don't have a million followers. That's a lot of exposure. That's where the opportunity is. There's only one Madonna and, but there's 999 million that add up to a million Madonnas um, and are a lot more approachable, a lot more trustworthy. Now that Madonna isn't, you know, if Madonna is talking about something she hopefully got paid. We're kind of like, I hope she got paid for that, but it doesn't carry the same weight um, than your crush from high school who you still follow on Instagram, post something and you're like, oh, that's how she gets her teeth. Why? Like, I got I to check that out. That type of connection builds a lot more trust than simply Madonna saying, go check out Snow. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. And um, yeah, that's awesome. So I know, you know, in addition to Snow, I, I know you do a lot. Um, you have the mastermind with Lo Silva, who was a guest on the show a few weeks back and just crushed it with a lot of stuff around around influencers and kind of micro influencers and things like that. Nano influencers, I think he talked about, uh, which totally makes sense. And I've since been using him and Mike Roddy for my own Instagram, speaking of that, which has been awesome. So for anybody looking to grow their Instagram or do a lot of stuff, I would talk to Los. But you guys have a mastermind together. Um, you know, do you want to share basically what, you know, we're going to keep going and answer questions. I want to give the opportunity before we go too deep in to share what are the big things that, that ways that people should connect with you? Is it joining your mastermind? Is it, you know, following you on social? What are the, the best ways for people to kind of continuously follow you? Yeah. So, I mean, naturally right now it's, um, uh, I'm super busy, right? Everybody is. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted, I've always wanted to create a community of, you know, our focus right now is e-commerce entrepreneurs, but brand builders in general, um, where we could kind of at least have an area that we can share what's working today, what's going to work tomorrow. Um, you know, Hey, this app just increased our conversion rate, check it out. And just kind of, a just kind of a community, first and foremost, the community, kind of like an uh, an entrepreneur's organization for brand builders and, and e-commerce and online entrepreneurs, something that was ext- extremely vetted. So, um, you know, we're particularly looking for if you're making over a million dollars a year already in your e-commerce business, that's just where we're able to, our teams are able to help you out a lot more as the results are 10x faster. Um, uh, so we have a mastermind, we have a community um the community alone is absolutely incredible there i'm seeing the um people coming in like hey i did that thing that you know from the from the from the training and i added a hundred thousand dollars in upsell revenue this month and 
we're seeing all that happening, but it's just essentially a community for people kind of all doing the same thing, um, but also want to learn from what we're doing inside of portfolio companies and what I'm doing here at Snow and what we're seeing success with. And my belief is that, um, uh, you know, we, we operate from an extremely abundant mindset. And so showing you what I'm doing today, if that risks me being out of business tomorrow, I don't have a business. I should be able to show you everything we're doing um, down to who we're hiring and everything. And you should be able to use whatever you want of that, whatever makes sense for your business, and we'll help you do that. But um, it's kind of shattering the split. There's, there's radical transparency in the group because if we don't know the situation, we don't know how to help. And so um, I think now more than ever after COVID, the, the, the loss of community, I used to be speaking at events every few weeks. I used to be on stage. I used to be with small groups. I used to be going to dinners and, you know, that died down a lot. And I think that the, the, the solo journey became a lot more solo after COVID. It really kind of became everyone's in their own bubble. And uh, we're trying to shatter that at least with the community to say, hey, you're having a, a down day. We know what that's like. Let's talk about it. Let's hop on a Zoom or, you know, so even beyond all the stuff that we're doing, the marketing, the advertising, here's how to get the celebrities. Here's how to do that. Um, I've got my link in bio, I think, at Josh Snow on Instagram. Um, and I've got a phenomenal team. And Los is my partner in the Powerhouse Mastermind group. And we've got different stuff we do there as well, like um, master classes. Um, uh, we ran like a Black Friday sale for $997 to get people access to stuff. I mean, my focus in, in terms of where I make my money, 99.9% .9 of it's always going to be in the brands that we're building. And, and I'm focused for the, for the long haul there. So, so that's why we curate as closely as we can, because we're trying to build something special here. And uh, we'll have about 100 members um, uh, probably by the end of next month. And we've got an event coming up in Orlando, uh, February 4th through 6th. So we're going to be going through uh, website teardowns, e-commerce teardowns. We've got some of our close friends um, that they've got nothing to sell you. They, they, you know, they're running their own, you know, one of them, AJ Patel, uh, is one, just one of his brands right now is valued at $500 million. And he's like, he never speaks. He never goes on podcasts. You can't find him. Yeah. He wouldn't even text you back. It's just, that's just, he's so I'm hoping he shows up. Um, but it's like those type of people that are behind the brand that are really pushing it forward. Um, he's, he's probably the, one of the smartest guys I know, and definitely the smartest on Amazon that I know He's built and sold five out of the six brands so far for big, big, you know, things. And so, but he's the most humble, like we go, like, here's what's working. Here's what we're doing. Here's what I'd recommend for your business. Like it's just, it's just kind of an all out community for helping each other reach our goals and, and building brands because building brands are different than doing a drop shipping offer or doing just a regular offer. These, the, these are things you're signing up for. It could be one year, it could be 50 years. And so having that community along the way, um, has been super, super helpful. And it's been helpful for me. I've been learning as well from, from all the members, but we're, we're, you know, we're doing website teardowns. We're breaking down strategies that worked for us 30 days ago and are still working. And here's exactly, here are the stats. I mean, it's just radical transparency. It's like a, it's like a, a live college, right? It's like a four year college that we get to, you know, hang out. You can leave when you want, you can stay when you want, you're probably not going to want to leave. Here's, you know, here's what's going on. And then there's an individualized attention as well. So we'll put, uh, pods of our team onto your project. So it's like getting, you know, right now we're like 50 people. It's like getting 50 co-founders without giving away any equity um, and everybody helping each other out. So that's uh, at Josh Snow um, on my Instagram. They keep changing, the team keeps changing the URLs. It's like 
phnow.com and it's this i can't even tell you but if you go to instagram.com slash josh no um it should be on my it should be in my bio cool yeah that's awesome i uh got the chance to do a guest kind of um like training for you guys a few a month month and a half back talked about kind of copy and on-page optimization conversion optimization and then just for everyone who's uh you know listening or watching now or who's going to be you know watching on youtube listening on itunes whatever um a couple of thoughts on that one, like the group was really cool. It was, it was a lot of really interesting businesses, um, entrepreneurs, uh, brands, like very eclectic in a good way. Uh, people doing like natural cleaning products that were like, you know, that are crushing it. And honestly, even, um, your COO, I think it was a CEO, Josh, um, like he gave one company just some advice on like, they had this, they spent all this money on this really, uh, viral Facebook ad. And like, it was getting a ton of engagement and views, but not converting. And essentially his advice was, yeah, it's too produced, too polished, you know, it's great for engagement, not good for conversions, make it uglier, which was totally really good advice, but that alone, and I know we'll make those people so much money because they were like, we're going right back to the drawing board. We're reworking our ads, like more user generated content, right? Just the, the gems that are being dropped, like for the members was just amazing. And the caliber of the members was amazing too. So if anyone who listens or watches or is with us right now is doing e-com, trying to build a real brand, um, I honest to God, I cannot think of anybody better to learn from than Josh and Los and the, their team. It's it's absolutely like a no brainer to be a part of their community. Um, and again, yeah, you put a, Josh has put a link in the- uh, Found it. Perfect, I'll put it into the Facebook Live as well and we'll definitely share in the show notes. And again, also you can make sure you follow Josh on Instagram at Josh Snow, um, but like seriously- uh, you know, I'm loving it, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm loving it. I mean, I just, you know, my, my whole thing was, and I had to wrap in multiple teams because I was like, I don't have a ton of time right now but there's just so much like just coming out and it's it, and what we're doing, even just inside of one brand like snow, there's just like so much goodies in there that it's like, it doesn't hurt us to share them, but there's like, sometimes there are windows, right? We might be like, Oh my gosh, you know, TikTok ads are really crushing it with this type of creative guys go at it. And it's like, it, I'm enjoying seeing not just the, the results, but also, seeing kind of the the relief from a lot of our you know our members and like we're we're really like a fa we're a family and it's like hey uh you know i'm struggling with this or facebook ads are you know really beating me up now what are you guys doing to do that and so a lot of that kind of push back and forth but those there are those small but huge gems like they're quick gems that fall like you notice but they're 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 big big changes to, to a business and we see businesses go from you know hundred thousand a month to three hundred thousand a month and it's not like they change that much. It's not, it requires sometimes a village to look at your business and be like, dude, you're not doing any, you know, SMS marketing. Like that's crazy. Like, let's add that in. Here it is. Here's a rep. And we we're now bringing in founders. So we've got Jordan, the founder of cart hook, uh, who's a part of the community. Um, we're bringing in Jay from bold apps. Um, they just had a huge fundraise, number one app developer. So not only do we get perks, you know, X amount of months free for this, reduce pricing for this. We're also trying to create, um, we're trying to create buying power as well internally. So our goal is to have, by the end of this year, our lofty goal is to have a billion dollars in collected and collective uh, revenue kind of forecasted for the group. And so we can take that collective buying power and we can go to merchant processing and say, hey, you got to give us, you know, better rates for all of our members. We're coming as a cohort of a billion dollars a year. Um, we can look at, everything from life insurance to payroll to all of that, to think about the infrastructure for the modern day entrepreneur. Um, and we may eventually 
take that and create, you know, um, create a fund to be able to invest in the ecosystem as well. And we would like to do something like that on behalf of the members, because one thing that we found is that um, a lot of entrepreneurs will build a business that we talked about exiting. A lot of people will build a business, not take a salary or a low salary for several years, and then the business closes. And you got to start all over again. The entrepreneur has, doesn't have life insurance, doesn't have a, a 401k plan, doesn't have savings, um, you know, mortgage their house, so they lost their house, so they don't even have that. And you're like, you created jobs, you created value for five years in this, in this, and the only people that won were IRS, lawyers, payroll taxes. So we're trying to create this um, ethos that we are the value and we're brand builders, but brand builders create jobs. They create innovation. Uh, they lead innovation. And that's what, um, you know, that's what this country is about and kind of building that into it and saying, how can we take back the power that we've given up to everybody else, take nickel and diamond us. And by the time payment processing, chargeback, I mean, you start breaking stuff down and we as entrepreneurs and team and, you know, founding teams and, and growing teams, we're working for the IRS, we're working for our payment processor, we're working for our working capital, you know, uh, working capital providers. We're working for all these other people dipping into our pot before we can even touch it. And that's why I'm, a, I'm worried that this is going to be, this is going to be successful with or without me. But it, it, I'm worried that it's going to be so successful that we're going to leave a lot of opportunity on the table. And so I want to make sure that at least our family um, is, you know, we take that billion dollars of, of power, talk to Shopify. Why not? Let's get Shopify on the line and see if we can get our Shopify Plus thing knocked down. Okay, now we're saving, you know, $3 million a year collectively on Shopify fees. Okay, what about Carthook? What about this? And really just to, to show our loyalty to those providers. Um, so anyway, there's a lot of fun stuff going on there right now. It's, it's jam-packed with golden nuggets, jam-packed with gems. Um, we have some people in there that aren't, you know, e-commerce, um, but for the most part, it's e-commerce focused. It's Shopify focused right now. And it's focused on brand building, not drop shipping. We do have drop shippers in there that are, are transitioning, right? They're like, I'm tired of this. I built great drop shipping businesses. I want to build a real brand. How do I do that? And so um, we're seeing a lot of success right now. It's only been, it's only been a few months and it's been extraordinary. Yeah, that's, I love that idea of, of economy of scale and the fact that you can take your collective power and, and negotiate things. That's really, really smart. Um, and again, I think the other thing is you guys are really actively doing it. That's what I love. I mean, I've got my copywriting mastermind copy accelerator and um, that's one of the reasons I still take on like freelance client projects, not like a ton, but one of the reasons I do it is so that I can be like, hey, I'm still actively writing, you know, because there's so many masterminds from people who crushed it like a couple of years ago. And then they're kind of like, what do I do next? And they start a mastermind and they can still provide tons of value, but there's so much value to being like, oh shit, we ran this test last week. It was sick. It went great. You guys can do it. Here are the steps to do it. You know, there's Perfect. just nothing that can compete with that. It's uh, just so powerful. So yeah, everybody check it out. I uh, put the link again in the uh, the Zoom and also in Facebook Live. We'll put in the show notes and follow Josh at Josh Snow on Instagram. Link in the bio there too. Um, cool. We're gonna move on to some questions. I think we've got like five or so right now. Ed, before we uh, go to those and you kind of bring people on, do you have any questions that you want to ask uh, to Josh? Oh man, <clears throat> um, for sure, dude. That was fuck, man. You're so smart. God damn it. And this, this, this guy started younger than me. I'm not happy about that. But anyway, I'm like, what am I doing with my life, dude? <laughs> yeah, when did you start it at like, you started at like 14 or 15 too. Yeah, right? I started at 14. Yeah. Okay. So it's close. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. Do you have any questions then? Um, if you want to think about it, you can always call on some, you know, we can always bring one on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think uh, it'll, it'll come with time. 
Cool. So we got a question here from, oh, he's leaving. Got a question from, yeah, go <laughs> got a question here from Chad about uh, measuring relevancy. Cool. Chad, what's up, man? Chad, the man. Hey, gentlemen, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Good, good. Good, good. So Josh, you talk about relevancy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think we all know it when we see it. We look at Coca-Cola and we know they are relevant. But is there a metric that you use to, to gauge relevancy or is it simply, you know, we've been in business for 30 years and we're still generating a revenue. So therefore we are relevant. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at Crocs and Crocs was in big, big trouble before COVID even. And they went after Post Malone and I don't know what else, like, you know, Peeps, KFC, they just came out with KFC chicken Crocs. And, um, what happens is that you have to keep track of your customer because what happens is when you start a business, you think you're going to target one customer and the, the one who gives you, you know, their trust ends up being a different customer. So for us, we thought we were building more of a millennial style brand. We thought that the way we talked about oral care and that, and that may be the case down the line, who knows it ships. But right now our customer is mostly, you know, 45 female, um, and she's tried a lot of stuff in the past before she comes to snow. So she's really got her guard up. Um, and so we understood that. So you want to stay close to, uh, your customer. That's, that's the benefit of direct to consumer that none of the big guys have. If you're all retail, you can't talk to that customer at the end. You might get some insights. Uh, it's really, really tough with direct to consumer. I can pick up the phone and call 25 customers today that, that paid us in the last 24 hours. And I can ask them, why did you buy this? Um, what would have made you not buy this? What would make you come back again? What are other brands that are you would you can't you know, live without? Uh, what's your favorite TV show right now? And so the the data is in front of you. In fact, you're getting paid for the data. You just have to go and collect it, and you got to be willing to pick up the phone or someone on your team to be able to have that type of dialogue to understand: Are the products working? Is the formula good enough? What are the issues? Is the cord long enough? You know, is the battery lasting long enough? Just understanding that you'll you'll find patterns within those those conversations, and of course you can automate it. You can put it on the thank you page and say get ten dollar rebate back on your order by filling out these five questions. Um, you know, and you can give them a gift card. You can do whatever you want. But I think the way you measure relevance uh, is first and foremost: Are you growing in sales? Um, that's that's important, right? People voting with their dollar um, that's key. But you can reinvent the brand many, many ways. And you look at, you look at Crocs now and uh, they're crushing it. I mean, they're, they're absolutely crushing it. And what they did is sometimes you have to, uh, you know, luck is preparedness and opportunity meeting. And Crocs was certainly prepared. They were in trouble. They were waiting for something and the opportunity uh, uh, came about and there you get luck and, and timing is so, so important. So you have to, as a brand, you have to stay alive long enough to get a few chances to, to do that. Um, because you look at GoPro, you look at a lot of stocks that were hot at one point and aren't as hot anymore. What's GoPro going to do to remain relevant um, when people aren't traveling the world uh, right now like they normally do? Um, so yeah, you have to think about that and say, relevance is a measure of how big, how fast are a company growing? How is the market responding to it, right? In a, in a public company, you might look at stock price and kind of what analysts are saying for, to a degree. And then what are your customers saying? What are the reviews? And then also, are they coming back? What's your returning customer? Are you still relevant to that customer that they're willing to come back and buy more of your products? Um, and then you kind of chase relevancy. If you have a lot of money like McDonald's, 
you go and get Jay Balvin, number one reggaeton star, and you go get Travis Scott, number one hip hop star, and you do a little happy meal with them and some slippers, and all of a sudden your stock jumps and you're kind of relevant again. Um, you can do things like what Elon does in terms of um, remaining relevant, um, not just from the designs of the cars, but you know, selling hats and selling flamethrowers and kind of speaking to that super core, which is now a super core Robinhood investor. Um, someone who's cashing out their 401k and putting in Tesla stock, he knows who he's talking to when he does those things. Um, and so chasing relevance, you can manufacture relevance. Um, Nike did it uh, with, the, with the huge NFL you know, kind of situation. They went in one direction because they, they said, you know what, our core and who we think our core is going to be 10 years from now really cares about this. And we think that this is going to be normalized five, 10 years from now. And that that kind of that ship has already sailed. So if we try, if we don't jump on the ship, we're going to miss it. And Nike made a huge, huge, bold bet to jump on that train. Um, and it's, it paid off for them, you know, long-term Adidas did it by grabbing Kylie Jenner, you know, early on and creating a collection with Kylie Jenner and then opening up the floodgates with Kanye West and saying, Hey, Nike's not giving what you want. This Kylie Jenner stuff is like crack. It's working really well. Why don't you come over here? We'll give you what you're looking for. Um, but you got to do this, this, and this. And so a lot of times you have to, uh, you have to follow those trends, but if you follow trends too quickly, that don't match your brand, you can kill your own relevance very quickly. You become commoditized, you become gimmicky. So really what you want to focus on is focus on products or services that work, products and services that are that consistently deliver. And then if you're solving a true pain point, you should remain relevant just as a base of that. Um, you know, you solve someone's back pain and they just keep using your cream every single night. You got a customer for a long, long time. Um, so there's there's a lot of ways to measure. The way we're measuring it today, we're looking at um our engagement in our ads. We're looking at um, uh, the ability to work with retailers and, and, and celebrities. How are they responding to us? How are we merchandising, merchandising there? And then remaining relevant in terms of talking to our customers. So we send out surveys. We have a post-purchase survey. Where did you find us? Um, why did you buy? What are you looking to get from this? It's all automated, that side of it. And then we'll pick up the phone you know, routinely and call and talk to the customers. But you're going to need to you're going to need to remain really, really tight. Pretend like your customers are your best friends because they should be, and you should be talking to them like, "What shows are you watching now? Um, what clothing brands do you wear? Um, you know, what food do you like? Uh, what are you really excited for this year? Uh, you know, boom, boom. What's what's the last show you binge watched on Netflix? Or you're just trying to understand those things from the customer, and you just jot them down. You can do a hundred a week, or fifty a week, or ten a week, and you have a cohort. You don't have to pay some big marketing agency or um, research agency to do it. You just call your customers and say, hey, I've got a $25 gift card to Amazon if you can answer five questions you know, with me. Boom, you do that 10 times a week, you're gonna know when things are starting to shift a bit. You'll start to understand from the customer base and then ultimately you'll see your sales and, and your sales growth follow that. It's a very difficult thing to track because it's not binary. It's an aesthetic, it's a feeling, it's the way that people think about your brand. And then you just want to make sure you're delivering the product, you're taking care of the customer, the product actually works. And then you're thinking about the problem that you're solving, other problems that same customer might have, or other ways to solve that problem. So when you look at skincare, you have a 26 step routine from South Korea. It's like, what are they trying to solve here? Well, skincare is so lucrative, they created 26 steps so that everybody can make more money from the same customer. 
So that's what you got to think about. And when you're expanding upon a problem set, you want to make sure that the solutions are relevant. So you can stay hyper-focused on the problem and you will remain relevant as long as you're solving that problem consistently. Otherwise, you have to remain relevant in other areas, which is celebrities and, you know, product placement and, you know, Procter & Gamble, the big guys are the best at this. They pretty much created a one of the top uh, longest running daytime soap operas so that you see the mom in the show pouring Tide. She's using, you know, all the products. And so there's there's levels to it. I think what we all could do today is pick up the phone and call some customers and saying, was this relevant for you? Um, and they're going to say, what do you mean? It's like, uh, what made you choose this product? Did you look at other products before you chose us? Would you, you know, would you realistically come back if I didn't call you today? What would make you come back? Um, what things do you like? And you kind of understand those things over time. And there's apps, by the way, on Shopify and everywhere where you can pull demographics and psychographics and all of those colorful charts. We pull them, we look at them. Um, and so we're trying to understand the psyche of the customer, why they're buying. And then how do we lean into that? We found for us that a lot of our customers, and it could be different for another Oracle brand, they're, they're looking for that anti-aging benefit. They're looking to feel younger, look younger, feel more attractive, act more attractive. They're looking for those things. And when you think about a customer like that, you go, what else can we do to make them feel that? And it starts to open up the product portfolio. You start to say, wait a second, this customer trusts us because we whitened their teeth and we made them feel younger and look younger and feel more confident. What are other things we can do to make them feel younger and feel more confident? That's where it starts to open up. But if we didn't hear that from the customers, I just got out of a divorce, I'm 55 years old, and you know I wanna white up my teeth as I go on the dating market, or I just got displaced from my job, I'm looking to find a new job, I wanna feel good about my smile. You find out that the features don't really matter. There are life events happening in someone's life. You know They're fed up with their back pain, or you know whatever it may be, it's gone bad, worse than it's ever been, I wanna try something new. You have to pull those moments out and then that's going to fuel your copy. That's going to fuel your advertising. That's going to fuel your packaging. That's going to fuel all of your follow-up. It's going to fuel your questions when you call them. Um, and, and that's the best thing I can give you because it's right in front of us. And that's the best thing we found. We buy all the software and demographics and we get all that stuff, but nothing, nothing works like picking up the phone and saying, you know, why'd you choose us? Um, and what'd you think of the packaging? Did you like it? Did it work? What would you do if you ran this company? And just ask the customer, what would you do if you ran this website? And uh, they say, oh, the contact page is a little bit hard to reach. So that's why I called you instead. Um, you know, they're going to give you everything. Like conversion rate optimization, you, just have, you don't even need a little heat map. Just call the customer and be like, what pissed you off on the website? And even better, in Shopify, there's an abandoned checkouts tab. Click the abandoned checkouts tab and call those people and say, what do we do wrong? And they said, oh, it was just the checkout process was too long, or I didn't feel trustworthy putting my credit card in. What would have made you feel trustworthy? Well, if I would have seen how many customers you have, or I would have seen a money back guarantee that would have helped. What kind of money back guarantee? 30 days, 60 day, 90 day, at least the 30 day, I'd be following the 30 day. You do that 10 times, you, you have your copy for that week of what you're rolling out. And then you repeat it the next week. It's, it's not even free. You get paid to do it. That was Josh. Great one. Josh. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know how this guy sleeps at night because I think I speak for everyone in the chat. We've lost limbs from that giant value bomb you just dropped on us. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. Um, and I put in the chat too. I was like, I almost feel guilty that I've got Josh giving away so much value here for uh, free, but we're incredibly appreciative of it. That was an amazing answer, Josh. 
Um, and Chad, great question too. Thank you. That's great. Thank question. you. Cool. We got time for a few more. Uh, Ed. Beautiful. Who? who yeah, um, I do have a question actually. Okay. So I've been I've been looking at getting into uh, building a physical product brand for the past few months, and it's kind of gearing up more. Um, I mean, this is probably a pretty basic question, but it's worth asking anyway. Um, for someone who is looking to get started, what would you uh, say to them in terms of what to watch out for and what to keep in mind when selecting a product um, to sell? So, yeah, I mean, I would, sometimes it's easier to select a customer to sell to um, than it is to find that hero product. There's, there are a billion products out there and, and, and look, at, uh, look at Apple with AirPods. If they would have went out of business in 2001 or they would have, you know, not come out with the AirPods, they wouldn't have realized that that's a $10 billion product for them a year, 10 billion a year on one single SKU AirPods. And it just exploded. But obviously they, you know, they built up to that. Uh, you know, we call it the snowball effect internally here because of snow, but the snowball effect, uh, literally what I would, what, what you have to caution for is like, you don't want to order too much inventory up front. Um, you know, when snow started, even though, you know, I'd been successful or whatever before then I could have said, all right, we're going to get a million dollar office, million dollar warehouse. I'm going to get 25 team members suits because I don't want to package any boxes. You know, I packaged and printed those labels from my spare bedroom in my house at the time. And that was, that was still, you know, and, and I put it set aside a budget that was very strict and it was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Let's see if this thing has legs. I think it really does. Um, let's start with the formula. Let's figure it out. What you need to do is you need to go and, and if you think about a customer um, or think about a set of products or think about a category, pain relief. Okay, cool. Go to Amazon, top selling pain relief, get 25 of those pages, go to the, the reviews tab, click the one star reviews and read 20 of them with a little notepad next to you and be like, um, too menthol aids, too tingly, or burns the eyes if they put it around their neck. And it's like, wait a second, you might just by reading negative reviews on Amazon products, you will you will come out with a winner. And you you know what they're complaining about already, 20,000 reviews. And then the most common negative reviews are saying that it's it has a, a sticky residue. Um, it's a little too menthol-y for the eyes, so they can't use it on the neck and the shoulders really. So now you come out with yours and it's called pain be gone and it's um, shoulder and neck relief, the right amount of menthol to get the effect you're looking for without burning your eyes. That's my hero product day one. Maybe I turn it into a ball and then I say, okay, do, do those customers care about eco or re refillable? Maybe you make it refillable. Now you've got an eco-friendly version of it and it's a uh, pain balm. And it's pain balm and it's uh, no parabens, no sulfates, whatever that that customer, they're going to tell you it all there. You go, wow, it looks like, uh, you know, like deodorant, uh, native deodorant, all these guys, they just took out aluminum from the ingredients set, like aluminum free. People don't know what that is, but they know it's aluminum free, which means aluminum must be bad, which means I should get this one, right? So you, you can literally have a million dollar pain relief business. If you just look at um, the Amazon reviews, what people are complaining about and make that your very first ad. The copy is written for you right there. And it says, finally, a pain relief stick that doesn't burn my eyes. Works 100% of the time, 30 day money back guarantee. What would your life be like if you didn't wake up in pain? 
or if you didn't go to sleep in pain, or if you weren't irritable around your wife or your kids because you were dealing with your pain. And you know, the, the tolerance uh, of pain. What if, what if I told you that the reason why you're barely feeling pain is because you built such a high tolerance? Hi, I'm Ed, and I was dealing with neck pain working on the computer all day, but the problem with the bombs out there was that they were burning my eyes or whatever it might be. I said, there's gotta be a better way. And so we've created pain relief treatments that are good for you, good for the earth, have all natural organic ingredients because your skin's the biggest organ on your body. Um, so if you're gonna be absorbing stuff, and then you do a CBD line, now launching CBD. CBD pain relief for shoulders. And you know, it just goes on and on and on. There's, there's a brand called O'Keefe's that just does cracked feet and it's like cracked hands, cracked feet. And they got two, they had uh, two products, I think when they sold the business like last year. And they were just known for, if you got the worst cracked feet and the worst cracked hands, come on over. We got you eight bucks. Here's a tub of it. You, you're, you're in the goop business at that point. They, they sold out and now they have lip balm. They've got like all kinds. They're not going to be Burt's Bees. So um, thinking about product is important, but I would really think about the pain you're trying to solve and maybe a pain that's, that you can relate to. It could be psychological. It could be emotional. It could be uh, meditative. It could be fitness related. Whatever it might be, something that you can relate to where you're like, I kind of understand what that customer is going through. I've kind of dealt with it before. I had wiped my teeth a hundred times before I started snow. So I knew about the sensitivity that it sucks. I wiped my teeth professionally. I bought stuff on the black market that was like so strong that I had to order it to there and I pay with Bitcoin just to get it. Like that's how that's how crazy I was about the appearance of my smile. It was something that I was so focused on. And I said, wow, I kind of figured out some things here. This might be useful to someone else. But keep in mind, there are brands like Death Wish Coffee, Liquid Death. Death Wish Coffee, it's coffee, but with more caffeine in it. Great, $100 million business. Liquid Death, it's a water in a can. And our advertising is very adversarial. Uh, and the list goes on and on. So you don't have to like reinvent coffee. And you don't have to be like, I have to think of an idea that nobody has thought of. No, you don't want that. You want to think of an idea that a lot of people have thought of, but nobody has acted on. You want to think about what is already out there that the customers are begging for. People that are paying money, 20,000 reviews, you get it for free. And you get to just scroll and be like, got it. You go to a manufacturer, hop on wherever you want to find a manufacturer, post on Facebook, drive around town, whatever. Go on Yelp and say, hey, you're going to be my first manufacturer here. Um, I need a formula. Do you have someone that makes formulas? Yeah, yeah, we'll do that for you. 500 bucks, we'll come with a formula. Give me a formula that is all organic, doesn't burn the eyes, can be used on the shoulders, has CBD in it. Is that possible? Yeah, I got a CBD guy, etc. A week from now, you could have your winning hero product, number one. And all you got to do is sell a million of those and you got a business. Dude, this is fucking insane. Yeah, it's awesome. It's been fun. I've just seen a lot of, uh, a lot of wows in the, in the zoom chat. I see a literally speechless. I see a, um, WTF Sam Safi said, how is this free? Uh, Molly Levitt said, wowza. And yeah, Sam Safi also said madness. This is madness. Julia dropping fire knowledge. Steve Butler masterclass in econ knowledge. Um, yeah. Oh, Jack Ainley, this is brilliant. Yeah, man, this is, you're just, you're, uh, you're killing it right now. This is awesome. So again, by the way, remember everyone, um, you know, if you're doing e-com, if you're doing branded stuff, uh, and like you're getting a ton of value from this episode, you know, imagine being in a mastermind where you're hearing gems like this from Josh and his team and other brilliant entrepreneurs every single week and basically every single day, uh, and what's working right now and really tactical stuff too. Uh, so again, go to follow Josh. I actually wasn't following you. I'm an asshole, but I'm following you now. 
at Josh Snow. I went and did it while you were talking on Instagram. Link in the bio to join Josh's mastermind. Plus, he's a great follow anyway. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram right away. Stephen Butler says following. Awesome. Cool. Ed, let's do uh, you know, two-ish more questions. Like depending, because I know we're getting good lengthy responses, which is good. Um, so you know, pick the next one. We'll do one or two more and uh go go yeah, from there. I have more questions, but okay, let's go for it. Uh question here from Max Uria about choosing the right business partners. Cool. What's up, Max? Hey guys, what's up? Okay, so let me be quick so so we have time for more questions. So you said in life some people choose their their wife or their husband like after some time but going to joint ventures and business partnerships really quickly so my question is how do you go about filtering and selecting right for partnership yeah so i mean the thing is is a great partner and i have great partners uh, a great partner can change your life, right? I think you need to spend some time really understanding about yourself. There's Tony Robbins has the DISC uh, profile test. It's free, D-I-S-C, uh, Tony Robbins. I would take that test. It takes 10 minutes. Have everyone take it. Whoever wants to take it, take it. But it tells a lot about yourself. Like you're, you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, that makes a lot of sense. And it's free. So take it. And then also thinking about the love language, take the love languages test, the five love languages and see, are you words of affirmation? Are you acts of service? For me, I'm, a, I'm mostly acts of service. And I'm and then the second for me is words of affirmation. So, you know, I, I like it every once in a while. I don't need it all day. I don't need to say, Josh, you know, thank you, thank you. But I do really appreciate it. It's my number two thing. And it means a lot to me. Acts of service, uh, you know, you know, uh, Stefan setting up this, this, this uh, community and inviting me in and that kind of act of service is where I, I feel my love. And I think that that's important to understand. Um, you know, people go on dates and they date for a year or two before they even move in. Sometimes they'll move in before they marry. People will meet at a coffee shop and start a business that they're tied to for ten years after one meeting. Um, it's because there's some there's a level of desperation there that is it's always going to be there. But there's a level of desperation where it's like, hey, this is scary going into this, and it may be subconscious, but it's like I don't want to do this alone, um, and I want to. You know, I want to have somebody there with me so that if we fail, I don't fail alone. And if we succeed, yeah, we succeed together. But mostly, it increases my chances of success by having someone else. But what you want to keep in mind is you want to think about this is a partnership. And partnerships are, there, there are more successful partnerships than there are in the ones that are talked about, at least. There, there's nothing, there's no right or wrong with partnerships. But what I will say is that you want to understand that um, you're going to be working with this person pretty closely. What are your goals? What are my goals? And then I would urge you as much as you can spend the money to get a contract lawyer or legal zoom or something to put something in place where it says, Hey, if this isn't working a year from now, what are we going to do? If it is working a year from now, what are we going to do? If it's work, you know, five years from now, or if one of us wants to buy each other out, or you want to buy me out, or you, we get an investor, these scenarios should be talked about. What happens when we lose all the money? What happens then? Because there's a, a, a fear of talking about, it's not fun, you know, it's the elephants in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it. Everyone's like, dude, it's gonna be a billion dollar deal. Yeah, you 50-50, why not? Yeah, I'll go for it. And you just you just go into it. And then three, four years later, um, you know, you either end up with some resentment or you end up with, or hopefully you end up in a great partnership. But Generally, I will tell you that 
Um, most boy bands break up. Um, that's just how it works. Uh, there's always somebody that wants more or overvalues themselves or undervalues themselves and wants to find another place. It's, you know, humans are the most complex variable to deal with in business. Um, so you can't, you know, you can't take human element out of it completely, right? You have to, you have to, you know, choose the right people to be around. But I would take a step back and think about, could you, is this someone who is more of a therapist friend, business partner? Is this someone who is actually a good compliment? I would look at the, I would take the quiz from um, uh, Rocket Fuel, which says, are you a visionary or are you an integrator? So very important because if you got two visionaries and you guys both have lots of ideas, nothing's going to get done and you guys are going to both tug at each other to get your idea through. And you're going to waste a lot of money because of ego trying to fight that race. You have to, you have to say, Hey, am I the integrator? Or am I the visionary? You're going to have a mix of both, but you kind of have to pick that scenario. If you're the visionary, you've got to give up control of operations. You've got to give up control. A lot of times of hiring, you've got to give control of the day to day. You got to be willing to not have a, a say in every decision in order for you to drive the ship two, three years down the road. And then you have to have respect, trust from the team and from your partner to be able to look out for those icebergs and drive the ship. And so you have to have that kind of uh, uh, mutual respect and mutual understanding. The problem I see nine times out of 10 is that, um, and I'm guilty of it, business partners just don't have a proper operating agreement. They don't know exactly what you know, Stefan's gonna do versus Ed versus Josh, who is responsible for this. What exactly are you doing day by day? Um, what are the expectations of non-compete? Or you just got to think of all those things. Think, think of the worst scenarios, multiply the 10, and plan for that day one. So while you guys are getting all happy and excited, go, hey, now let's talk some serious stuff just because, you know, I talked to you about some advice. We're going to kill it here. But let's make sure that we we really set this up right. Let's talk about the the, the nasty stuff today. Knock it all out in one day. And say, what do you want? What are your expectations equity-wise? Okay, what are you bringing to the table? Okay, here's what I'm bringing to the table. Have that open conversation so it's very clear from the get-go. Because if that resentment is allowed to fester, it's going to cause a lot of turmoil in your business. It's going to fracture your growth. It's going to fracture your team. So you're taking on that thing. I mean, business, I can't tell you to never take on a business partner because some of my successful businesses have been with amazing partners. What I will tell you is that especially early on, you may have to partner, but think about it. Is this someone that you could go on betterhelp.com and get a therapist that you can talk to one hour a week? Or is this actually a business partner who's going to bring equal weight to the party and actually be a long-term uh, benefit to the business? Not just, I'm going to make some intros early on. Is this someone who's going to be thinking about the business and really helping to grow the business beyond the first six months? It's amazing. Max, was that wow. for you? <laughs> really? I'm <laughs> just like <laughs> amazed. Thank you. Thank cool. you, Josh. Thank you, Max, for that question. Thank yeah, that's so true. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen business partnerships where there's this resentment because one person partner doesn't feel like the other person's pulling their weight. But that person feels like, well, I'm doing the stuff that I've you know, always planned on doing, but they never communicated what the roles are, what the expectations are. Um, and then it leads to a bunch of weird passive aggressive bitterness and you know, uh, kill us productivity, just so much stuff. So um, yeah, I think there's a lot of gold in that advice for sure. Cool. Jo and I think Josh is popping to uh, the chat for on Zoom here, the uh, the disc profile and uh, this rocket fuel now one. And yeah, the five languages of love. I love that. My, my wife is um, quality time. And just knowing that in your personal relationship is super valuable. Because then if she's like trying to, I'm like, oh yeah, she wants to spend quality time. Um, 
Cool. Let's do maybe rapid fire, Ed. You want to just, what, Josh, what do we hear is everyone just kind of read out the uh, remaining questions. We'll just give a quick, like, you know, 20, 30 second answer to those and uh, then we'll call it a day. All right. For Patrick Chen, what was the hardest part for finding your product supplier? Um, I would say qual- quality, man. It's, it's, it's tough because you, you're not there physically. So um, do what you can to pay DHL overnight shipping. If you're doing anything, uh, you know, out of your country, pay the extra to get the overnight shipping, get procure as many suppliers as you can, even if they don't make your specific product, maybe they make, uh, you know, maybe they make head razors or whatever, head, head buzzers for haircuts and they don't make necessary body, you know, stuff like that, reach out to them anyway and say, could you make something for body? Um, and so I would get samples from at least five different suppliers, pay for overnight shipping, get them all in front of you and really use those products and really, understand you'll see very quickly which supplier really cares about the quality and which ones don't um and you'll see the exact same product sometimes one is heavier nicer and lasts longer you can just tell and you go okay these guys are probably who i want to work with this product is still a piece of crap but they are a lot better than everyone else let's work on something that isn't a piece of crap what is that going to look like and so you know I, I would i would look at as many suppliers as you can get as many samples as you can try out the products even if they're not the, they have nothing to do with the product you're going to sell if they're making this stuff make sure it works really well and then you can go in and say i'm going to choose this one to kind of go in with or i'll get a quote from two or three of them this one's going to charge me ten thousand dollars for tooling this one's going to do it for free if i say i'm going to order this much and so and you also want to find out which one is the actual supplier there's so many brokers of brokers of brokers of brokers, especially in China. You've got to check if you're on Alibaba or something, check their profile. Do they actually own the factory? Do some research on them. Ask them those questions. You want to make sure you're partnering with a manufacturer who could destroy your business or who could help you grow your business. You want to make sure that you feel comfortable in that partnership, minimum order quantities, timelines, deadlines. What are their certifications? What are pictures of their factory? Just get gain as much due diligence as you can. Just like if you were hiring someone, you want to really understand who you're bringing on your team and keeping in mind that anything you create, you know, you're trusting them to do that. So do you have any contracts you can put together? Even if it's you putting it together saying, Hey, if we make this thing together, you can't make it for anyone else, but me have them sign it, you know, think about those things. Awesome. I dude. Uh, when you're looking for someone to join your marketing team, which of these do you hope to gain more of time, money or life simplicity? Um, mostly time, which comes with life simplicity too, but it's mostly time. I mean, it's, we all wear so many hats here and I've got such a rock solid team. And, you know, the, the biggest thing is time because I just, we're we're all finite, but I've got to be focused on, uh, initiatives that are, you know, equally as important to what everyone else is working on, but things that are uniquely set for me to work on, like raising funding or, uh, you know, partnerships, retail partnerships, um, celebrity deals. Those are things that I've got to spend a lot of time on. They require a lot of thinking, phone calls, video calls. So for me, I've got the same 24 hours as everybody else. So having an extraordinary team who can take that off your, your back and take that off your plate, because day one, I was printing the labels, packing the packages, writing the media ads, uh, Facebook ads, running ad espresso, um, you know, going to the post office, dropping it off. And so you kind of map that out by dollar per hour. And if you're able to find someone who might be able to help you out with that, then you can start building a team and you get more time to think. And some of the biggest things that come out of my time are simply just ahas of just 
Sometimes I'm just sitting on something that we're working on and it becomes radically clear once I'm not on, you know, 25 calls a day or if I'm not, you know, writing ads anymore. You have to be willing to remember, you have to be willing to, to give up control, give up ownership um, and in order to build something big. And so it's actually really relieving when someone joins our team because I know that it's going to help all of us and I might get another 30 minutes back a day to think. That's great. That's yeah, killer answer. Cool. Thanks, man. Go ahead. How do you handle your logistics for delayed shipping? So, um, you know, delayed shipping is going to happen. If it's outside of drop shipping, um, the thing is you never want to run out of your top selling product. Um, even if that means you've got to ask the manufacturer for some financing terms to, hey, can you have some ready for me set aside? And I just pay 30% of those now and kind of just hold on them for me when we're ready. I'll pay you up to get them shipped by air. You have to be thinking about 10x your business right now in your mind and think about where all the holes are. 10x your business right now, making a million dollars, 10x to the 10 million. Who are you going to need to hire? Who are you, you know, what is this supplier going to keep up? Ask them that question. If I 10x order volume, will you be able to keep up? Pretend you're 10, you have to be the person to you, that you're going to be two years from now. You have to be that person today and you have to be that business today because if not, you're going to be caught with your pants down and the, the customers are going to come after you and, and they rightfully should. And we're not perfect. We deal with those issues as well. So essentially, you, the way I look at it is you messed up, right? You messed up as the brand. You have to take responsibility. And maybe there are some things out of control, supply chain, UPS, USPS. Yeah, everything's overloaded. But you say, this is my investor. My customer is my investor. And I want them to keep buying our shares. What can I do to make it right for this customer? And, you, and that answer changes for every business. Can you give them free product, gift cards, cash back, uh, new products, whatever. Something that you can give to that customer to make sure that they feel that, hey, I'm going to stick it in with, you know what, I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to wait a couple more weeks or I'm going to wait another week, but this thing better work. That's why it's important the products you sell work because you get someone waiting that long to get something that they're not happy with, they're going to be really mad at that point. But you've got to beef up your supply chain. That's why drop shipping doesn't work in the new age because it's just people want stuff in two hours. And so here's Jeff Bezos over here getting people trained on two-hour delivery. And here are dropshippers training people on five-week delivery. It's just never going to work. So you have to move in that direction. So use FBA, use the infrastructure that these companies have built for entrepreneurs like us. Add two bucks to your product to cover FBA fees, but get the, get the product to the customer. There's no excuse. As soon as, as, soon as, as, soon as someone gives you money, you're on a ticking time bomb to get the product to the customer in as perfect condition as possible. That's why we've never outsourced our fulfillment. We have 100% in-house in fulfillment. We always have since my spare bedroom. So we control that entire supply chain, at least getting to the customer. We can't control UPS, but we try to get it out as soon as we can. And when we run into issues, we know that customer support has to step up and make sure that the customer feels alleviated, they feel listened to, they feel you know taken care of, so that they go, okay, this is a growing business, going through growing pains, but I love the product. If the product is really good, they will bite the bullet and come back, but they might not come back to your website because you kind of lose their trust there. That's why it's important to be on Amazon, other marketplaces so that they have an option to buy somewhere that they trust on the delivery like Amazon. Yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. Hey, Ed, we just hit, uh, you know, whatever time we have uh, 12 30 where I'm on mountain time right now. So, um, the three remaining questions for you people who ask those questions, two of them were for me anyway, email me or ask them and Justin and stuff and talk copy and I'll, um, I'll reply there. 
Um, but we're gonna wrap up here. Josh, thank you again so much for taking the time to, to do this. It was amazing. Um, you just crushed it. Is there anything you want to kind of leave um, the listeners and, and viewers with before, uh, before we end here? Things always take, you know, when things are really bad, they're never as bad as you think. Things are really good, they're never as good as you think. Um, everything takes longer than you think. Um, and consumers can see through what you're really trying to do. They're smart. They can shop around. They'll out you on social media. So you want to build something that you're proud of. And uh, the last thing I'll say is a, a principle I live my life by is chase difficulty, not making things hard, but not be afraid of the things that seem difficult. There's a reason why they're difficult because they're worth, uh, they're worth learning. They're worth understanding. And so things that sound too good to be true usually are. Things that sound too easy to be true, they usually are. Things are always harder than they seem, but you can get better. And so the focus on your personal development, your mental health, your health and wellness, your supplementation, your hydration, really think about yourself as a machine because entrepreneurs give themselves too much to their business sometimes and they forget about themselves, about their health, about their sleep. Um, don't get me wrong. I love a good eight hours of sleep and I get it almost every night if I can. Um, I love to sleep. you got to take care of your body. Um, if you take care of your body, um, then your mind is clear to, to, to execute and just realize you only need one or two things to, to work for you a year to build a really big business. It's not, it's not a hundred things that need to go well. It's one or two that need to go well. And so take that longer term approach and you will have success and never give up unless you have to give up and you made the decision. But if you're onto something and you, the money's flowing, you've got to double down, follow the money. Thanks guys. Amazing. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. That, was jo that was Josh Snow at Josh Snow on Instagram. Um, check him out. You and guys. Cool. Take care. Thank you. Sweet. Well, that wraps it up here. I jumped off as well. Um, so we're done basically, but Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you, uh, if you're on iTunes that you're subscribed to my podcast, leave a review, please, on iTunes. That'd be awesome. Uh, if you watch it on YouTube, make sure you leave a comment letting us know uh, that you have value from it. Hit that like button, all that kind of stuff. Share it with friends and family and loved ones. It was an amazing episode. Thank you, everybody who was on the live recording on Facebook Live or here on Zoom. And I'll see everybody next week. Uh, thank you, everyone, and take care. All right, that's just about it for today. Before we finish, though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high-level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi dot com forward slash subscribe and I will see you in my email list.